0: Welcome to the Finding Yourself Single podcast. Finding Yourself Single is a podcast for post-40 singles, navigating life after divorce, transitioning to being single, building a new life, trying to create positive family dynamics, and exploring new relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian Berger and Katie Katzman. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Finding Yourself Single podcast. This is season one, episode two, this episode is titled Divorced and Parenting. We have an incredible guest with us. When I launched my other podcast, Sports Business Radio, back in 2004, my first guest was late NBA commissioner David Stern, one of the greatest sports executives who ever lived. It got us off to a great start. Well, I feel like we have the David Stern of parenting expertise with us this episode. Dr. Shafali, New York Times bestselling author of The Conscious Parent, and the awakened family. She has a new book coming out called "The Parenting Map." It's going to be available on February 28th in bookstores everywhere and on Amazon.com. You can learn more about Dr. Shafali at drshafali.com. Katie Catchman, the co-host of this podcast, joins me now. Katie, what a great first guest for us!
1: Amazing, amazing first guest. She'd be amazing. 25th guest, but, I mean, but she was our very first guest. Is truly amazing, and I think it also speaks for many great things to come because this is a great platform for um, so many guests. But to have her was was very special, and to get to read her book in advance, I felt very privileged. So we are excited to bring you know really sorry to share all this with with everybody out there.
0: Yeah we have already done the interview that's how this works we've we've got it in the can so to speak so what were some of the things that dr shafali said either in her book the parenting map or her conversation with us that our audience is about to hear that that stood out to you
1: yeah you know both her book and and the interview something from the interview that i really that really stood out was when we talked a bit about effective co-parenting which so many of us have strived to become effective in she initi- she immediately looked at that like really there isn't really co-parenting there's just parenting yeah. right only what you can do you can never control somebody else which is a principle that I do work on a lot and i love i really that really resonated with me that No matter what the other one's doing, whether you're in a contentious situation still or you are amicable, it's really about what you're going to do on your side. And conscious parenting is parenting yourself. But a deeper level of that that she went into is if you are in a contentious situation or your spouse is in a or ex-spouse is in an unhealthy place, it behooves you to work to the level that you can get to where you realize that they were parented in a way that was probably unconscious. They were not, you know, they're 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 suffering from that as well. And at that point, it becomes forgiveness, and it's really the higher place we can all get to when we can finally let go and we can forgive for you know the past and even maybe some of the present. Then we can really get on to live. So. What really struck in me is this is a part of our growth, a part of our finding ourselves, truly finding our ourself is letting go. And we can really be attached to what's going wrong in in, in our relationship. So how are we and, and the only way to move forward is to be unattached from that. So it really all connected for me, you know, hearing her say that and then reading about it too. That was one thing. How about how about for you? You know,
0: I like the part in the book where she talks about when we become parents, we, we've we already directed the movie, right? You know, we've got the nursery decorated. We've got the favorite colors picked out. We have the activities our kids are going to participate in. Some of us even have the college picked out before they come out of the womb. And uh, we have all these grand plans. And in the meantime, we forget to let our kids become their authentic self. And the more we can do that and remove ego and maybe pressure from our parents, our friends, other people on how we should be raising our child, but let them become their authentic self. And I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, maybe I could have done that better. Maybe I did have too many things planned out for my daughter. I tried to expose her to things and then let her make her own choices on you know, anything from traveling to food to activities. But I think sometimes we go into it thinking we know what's best for our kids, and we want to you know force it down their throat and so many parents today, you know there's the term helicopter parenting and uh you know we're we're involved with everything, and we don't let our kids breathe and become their authentic selves so after reading this book and after talking to dr. Shafali, like that's one of the things that really resonated with me. I think our goal as parents is how do we get to a place where we can guide our kids to become their authentic self? That's the goal. And whoever that is, we try and support them and and love them and um that really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's a, a sentence that I read in one of and in her book that I wrote down and it's it's very powerful. She says the greater our desire for the perfect kid and the perfect life, the greater our sense of inner unworthiness. Yeah, And that blows that blows me away, right? You know, like we, you know, we, because who doesn't want the perfect, you know, the perfect life, the perfect kid. And you, know, you think things are, when they're doing great, we feel so good. And when they're not, we feel bad. And it's like, but humans are supposed to have all the emotions and all the experiences. And we, and we don't always remember that and in ourself, but, that the greater we need that, that's really aligned with the, the you know the less worthy that we really feel, and that's a, that's impactful too. I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. The other thing I love about Doctor Shafali is, you know, she might drop a curse word, like she keeps it real.
1: That, yeah. You know, she admits, like, hey, I
0: made some mistakes as a parent, even as the Yoda of parenting and all the. Experience that she has, and the books she's written, and the expertise she has, he still will say, "You know what? I screw up. I am a daughter. Sometimes I'm not perfect." And I think that level of transparency and vulnerability
1: is refreshing. Yeah, she calls it the f up in her book. She'll say, "Yeah, you know, I f up here, I f up there." You know, it's but yeah, she, she's very direct and she's she's very strong, very powerful. I was also amazed at how. Some of our questions are pretty detailed, and she was very, she was able to quickly answer, quickly come back and answer very specifically with information that we wanted for our audience. So um, that was very impressive. She's she's an amazing speaker. I know she's known to be a good speaker as well.
0: Yeah, and as far as I know, Dr. Shafali is finding herself single. So she is now divorced. She's you know raising her daughter uh, as a divorced mom and. You know, she can relate to some of the topics that we discussed during our conversation with her because she's experiencing it herself.
1: Right? Yeah, and she and she is, and she's talked about that too in some other podcasts. I've heard her talk about how you know it wasn't. She's look at it wasn't like a divorce; it was just more of a progression, just a progression of life, and and more of a marrying of yourself when you're when you're going through that stage. So she has a very uh, very whole and interesting perspective. It's been really helpful. Well, Katie,
0: okay, I thought before we get to our interview with Dr. Shafali, we could share our parenting journeys to a degree. We're not gonna go into, you know, the novel or write a book like Dr. Shafali did. But, you know, as we go along in this podcast, as we said in episode one, we're both gonna try and share our own personal experiences and, you know, try and be vulnerable in a way to have our audience relate with us. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that might be able to say, you know what, I've been through the same thing or I'm feeling the same thing. And, you know, one of my commitments to myself when I wanted to do this podcast with you is I want to be vulnerable. So um, if it's okay with you, I I want to take a couple minutes and share my parenting journey. And then, you know, I'd love to give you the floor to do the same. Is that all right?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to share and people have similar experiences. So yeah, let's go for it.
0: All right. So first, I think this goes without saying for anyone who's ever been a parent. Parenting is one of the hardest jobs that you're ever going to have. Like, you know, you get so excited when your child's born and there's so many wonderful times, but it is a hard job. And all parents make mistakes. And like I said earlier, I've certainly not been perfect. I'd like to think that I've avoided Catastrophic mistakes, but you know, have I made some mistakes here and there? Absolutely. We're talking about divorce parenting. So trying to co-parent with an ex-spouse who isn't on the same page about parenting or even sharing information, it makes this job of parenting even more difficult. And, you know, like I said, we have all these grand ideas when we become parents. We don't know we're going to be divorced when we become parents, and then you find yourself single and divorced and you're like oh my gosh now i'm not only a parent but i'm a single parent and for me we got divorced when my daughter was 3 so that was a tough age you know she's very young she's very impressionable she's very attached to both parents still and you know i went through some really difficult things which i kind of alluded to in in episode 1 but one of the things is, is I had some false allegations levied against me. So now, when I'm parenting, I'm scared to death If my daughter trips at the park and skins her knee or if she gets a bruise on the swing set or the playground, I'm worried that I'm going to wind up in jail. And I know that my daughter felt my stress and my paranoia and, you know, my difficulty in kind of navigating through the oh my gosh, I have to walk on eggshells while I'm single parenting a young child. And, you know, all my friends, you know, rallied behind me and Brian, it's going to be okay. But it was still hard. It was very, very stressful for me. We eventually got through that. You know, I settled into being a single dad. My daughter got older. We traveled the world together. You know, I always tried to make sure that like, if we were on the airplane, I had the snacks, I had the sippy cup, I had the books and the coloring books. Like, I was a prepared dad. I never wanted my daughter to look at me and go, I'm suffering or dad doesn't have things covered as well as mom. Like I I really took pride in, I want to make sure my daughter knows that when she comes to our house, that I've got all of her needs taken care of. And she doesn't feel like, you know, dad's uh, not as good as mom, frankly, um, when it comes to being attentive and, and figuring those things out. Then, you know, we've gone through the pandemic and uh, her mom kept her during the pandemic. We found ourselves back in court, which I'm sure was also difficult for my daughter. Now she's a teenager. She wants to be a teenager. She wants to do things with her friends. She doesn't want all of this drama going on. But I didn't know what to do. Do I just let my daughter go? Or do I continue to try and be a part of her life? And I continued to try and be a part of her life. and. Uh, lo and behold, she emancipated when she was 17 and a half. Um, I went to the hearing, I supported her. I said, I support her independence. Um, and that was nine months ago and I have had no contact with my daughter since. And it breaks my heart. It's the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. I worry about my daughter, but this is my test, Katie. This is me trying to let my daughter become her true authentic self if she can If she's not influenced by outside forces, I'm hoping that she's at college. I'm hoping she's getting different perspectives, but my biggest hope is that she's becoming her true authentic self. And then I hope at the end of that discovery that she wants me back in her life and that her true authentic self is I had many great times with my dad. We had a good bond. Um, We may have had some bumps in the road here and there, but like at the end of the day, this is what I want is I want my dad in my life. But I know it's probably going to be some time before she gets to that point. Um, and, you know, our conversation in the book by Dr. Shafali, it really unlocked a lot of things in me. I've been journaling a lot. Um, I have a lot of things to discuss with my therapist. But, you know, one of the other discoveries is we bring a lot of things with us from our upbringing and it impacts us as parents. And some of those things are really good. But some of those things aren't very good. And it's about how do you keep the good and then improve on the things that weren't so good. So that again, we can let our kids become their true authentic selves. So that's a little bit about my parenting journey. Um, you know, if you would have told me two years ago that I'd be in this position with my daughter, I would have bet my house, all my money, and everything I own that I wouldn't have been because I thought we had a really solid foundation. Um, but here we are. So you know, again, this is me being vulnerable. This parenting episode was very revealing to me. The book was great. And, uh, you know, I think we all have to evolve and learn and, and that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah. It, it's a journey. And I, I, I believe that none of us had ever expected to be on it. You know, I mean, no one goes into a marriage thinking, can't wait to be, you know, to be divorced. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Kids, but you know, it, no one, you know, we all, we, we all want the different picture. And as you were talking, you know, I have to smile. You're describing a sippy cup and have everything just ready and perfect. You're not unlike any other parent, you know? I mean, we all want to be prepared and be the best. And I can tell you that so many like I felt so, you know, unequipped to be a mother even. I, cause, And it's it's so true. Even Dr. Shafali in her books mentions, we're not experienced. we become parents and we've never done this before. No one's never done it before. So it's, I remember thinking, I I'm going to read every book, I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to mess this up. Yeah. <laughs> Literally like for my daughter, she's my first and I was like, you know, this I had to do this right. I just and it doesn't work like that. In doing it right just means really showing up and being present and listening and watching them, right? And and seeing who they are, letting them, you know, providing that space, you know, connecting with them, teaching them things, but you know, really giving them the opportunity to, to to grow, and so I learned so much along the way. I think back to how I parented, and definitely, I, I definitely was scared and didn't want to make any mistakes. And that's impossible; that's but, just not going to happen. Right? It's, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, and I made mistakes. One thing though, we well, I do think I do think there was a lot of things we did that that were good. My husband and I used to. You know, really discuss our kids a lot. and we gave a lot of attention to that, you know, what who they who they were, what we thought was right for them and as they were growing up. And we did a lot of trips and a lot of adventures where they were allowed to explore. And I'm really grateful that we were able to do that. You know, we also had our challenges. And one challenge for me I look back on was that I know I was heavily influenced by by my spouse and maybe what his opinions and that wasn't anything to do with him that was to do with me and i know my mom was the same way she just she kind of blindly followed my dad at times and she didn't agree but she didn't say anything and he could, he did that with her at times too so what i'm learning now is that i'm actually getting the opportunity to to realize well what is it that i really think is right how do i really want to parent and i found myself saying to my daughter In the past couple of years, well, that's, that wasn't the mom I really wanted to be. If I could go back, here's what I would have said to you, and here's what I would have done. And I'm really, and it's been so healing for me, you know, and for her. We've been able to discuss things and go back in time, you know, and really look at it. And I'd say, here's what I would do now, and here's what I wish I would have done. And uh, that's, that's just something that, that's been helpful. I also have noticed that. I've been able to change a little bit of my parenting to where I, I realized once this divorce started that I had been kind of as maybe parroting or not really being authentic, and I started to realize I just wanted to listen to my kids more. I have a, I think I, I went too fast. I have I have a son and a daughter both in college, and it's a good time to be able to listen to them more and also really accept them for for who they for who they are a lot of times like i can still hear my you know my son is 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 um is really very uh, an athlete and he is in an, a marine corps ROTC program and he expressed at one point that he i think i just want to enlist and i was like no 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 you don't you know that's not for you you're going to go to college right and Looking back, I mean, I could have listened to that more. Well, why do you want to? And, you know, let's explore that. And, but it was my fear of, you know, I didn't understand that way. You know, I went to college, my sisters went to college, my parents wanted to make sure we went to college. And so it was just that not even considering it. Right. So I look now and I, and I, I realize that, yeah, that I really want to be more accepting of just who they are. A lot of times I think our kids just want to talk about it. And so I'm learning that that has made a big difference in our relationship. And both of my kids have said they they noticed a difference when I shifted. And I think it was after we started the divorce process. So I like to think that there's some really good things coming out of this and that I can parent in a way now that, that maybe I wished I could have back then.
0: Yeah, we're not the same people that we were when they were born. We're, we've learned hopefully a little bit and evolved. And like you said, if you could go back and you know, say something different, I would do the same thing. And, you know, if I could talk to my daughter tomorrow, I would say, go be independent, go live your best life, go make friends. I'm here to guide you and support you. One of the things Dr. Shefali talks about in the book is if you're going down the freeway, we're not in the same car with our kid anymore. We're in the lane next to them and we're there to guide them. We're not driving them anymore. We're alongside of them. And I would tell her that, like, I'm here if you need me. I'm not here to, you know, rule your life or micromanage your life or anything, but go be you. And, um, you know, I don't know if she realizes that. I don't know if she has fear of, you know, oh, my dad's going to try and micromanage my life or he's going to try and control my life. The truth is when they're 18, they're 18, they're in charge. And whether we like it or not, you know, they're legal adults and they're in charge of, you know, what happened at school and medical. And, you know, if they get in a car accident, they're treated as adults. Like these are things that uh, you just hope that they don't have any catastrophic mistakes, but our role with them is more as guide. And that's what I'm learning. We're, We're here to guide them. We're not here to parent them hard and hover over them. Like maybe we were when they were two or three, you know, and they really depended on us and couldn't get through the day without, uh, you know, us making food for them and making sure that they had everything that they needed. They don't need sippy cups and and coloring books anymore. So it's a different phase. And if we're treating them like they still need those things or, you know, I see these parents who are like, you're going to go to this college, you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer, just like I did, or you're going to, you know, work with me on the family business or, whatever it is, like it's their decision. It's not us deciding this for them. And, and frankly, the more we try and impose our will on them, the more they're going to probably do something different or, you know, not have us in their life as much. So,
1: uh, yeah, you know, Dr. Shafali even goes as far to say, don't ever give them your opinions. If they ask you, she gives you strategies how to answer without yeah. giving your opinion. Right. You know, she says you will cripple them. And that is, that's groundbreaking, you know, and it's the difference that you will see in your kids if, for parents that always give them their opinions versus they don't is, is huge because they will have their own ground. They will, have their, you know, they will have their own identity and their own authenticity versus if they become a little mini me. And they don't know it until they get older, then they have to break through and change all that. So yeah, this can be a groundbreaking way. And so hopefully, too, this book can get in the hands of, or her book can get in the hands of some younger parents as well. But it's never too late. And I think her book is really valuable for people in our age group who have already been parent, our kids are older, because it's never too late. You know, you're really still working on yourself and you can, you know, hand it down and hand it down through the generations, so...
0: Well, and this is the age where they're really starting to, as Dr. Shafali says, like they're becoming who they're going to be and they're breaking away. And, you know, it's important, this book, because it, it, again, really harps on let them be who they're going to be. Don't try and control them or micromanage them. And uh, just, you got to let them go. And yep. it's hard for some of us as parents and, you know, Um, My greatest joys on this earth are with my daughter. And, um, you know, if I could bottle the feeling that I had in my best times with her, it's like the greatest drug you could ever take. I've never been happier in my life. So to not have that in my life right now and and maybe never again. Wow, it's 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 a loss. But again, it's her life. And I've got to step back and and let her live it, and hope that she comes back to me at, at some point. So before we get to the interview with Doctor Shafali, any final thoughts on uh, you know your parenting journey or anything that uh, Doctor Shafali says in her book?
1: I just think this is the perfect timing to receive this information for 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 me, and I think it'll be the same way for many of our listeners. So. Just really excited to get them on to hearing the interview and you know looking into the book, The The Parenting Map. Um, again, it's about conscious parenting and uh, which is really parenting ourselves, not our children.
0: Yeah. So before we get to the interview with Dr. Shafali, again, plugging her website, Dr. Shafali, and that's S-H-E-F-A-L-I.com. Dr. Shefali.com. Best-selling author, um, you know, endorsed by Oprah—that's <laughs> that's a pretty big endorsement right there. And we're just so honored to have her as our first guest.
1: And not to mention her books, I believe, also have forward by the Dalai Lama. So yeah, this is a big deal.
0: All right, without further ado, here's our conversation with Dr. Shafali. Dr. Shafali, both Katie and I have previewed your new book, The Parenting Map. The book is enlightening, therapeutic. Uh, It's been extremely helpful. It's one of the best books I've ever read, frankly, and I can't recommend it enough to our audience. I want to start by asking one of the cornerstone themes in all of your books is conscious parenting. Can you please explain to our audience what conscious parenting is?
2: So in order to understand conscious parenting, we need to first understand that we have been raised with the traditional parenting paradigm. And the traditional parenting paradigm is all about supreme control and creating this picture-perfect, super happy, super ambitious and successful child. Because we parents have been burdened with that presumption that we can control and create this superhuman person the super bionic being, we then also then created this thing called parental discipline, whereby we feel authorized, unrestricted, unsupervised to do whatever we choose to do with our children, fear, shame, blame, guilt, and control, to name a few and punish. And that entire paradigm is really dysfunctional because it puts so much pressure on the parent to raise this amazing being that no one has ever seen ever before. And when the kid doesn't manifest into that ideal version that the parent has in their fantasy, then all hell breaks loose. We yell, we scream, we rage, we disconnect. And then the kid grows up with this unabiding sense of unworthiness, which is really how we all grew up. And so conscious parenting turns that entire paradigm on its head and really speaks to the evolution of the parent. The focus of the conscious parent is the parent and the parent raising themselves into a whole human being and from that place, parenting their real child. And let me tell you, it's a game changer. I've been doing it, I've been teaching it and I have a conscious parenting institute and where other people teach it to families and we've literally helped change families one parent at a time through this method of conscious parenting. Dr. Shafali, our
1: listeners, many of them obviously will, are, are divorced. And I'm, we're curious, once a couple is divorced and there can be new family logistics and lifestyle patterns, what are tips you would have for effective co-parenting?
2: Yeah, it's really difficult if the other parent is not on the same page, but it's okay. I always tell parents that one conscious parent is better than none. And at least you can be that safe harbor lighthouse, sacred place where your kids feel like they are being seen for who it is they are, that they are being affirmed and validated. So this book is a manual for any parent who wants to become more conscious, and it gives practices and exercises to embolden your consciousness. And then when you go through this process, you actually also to develop great compassion for your unconscious partner. <laughs> and I know that, that that's not necessarily something we want to arrive at, but it is the most healing thing for yourself and your children to see your partner as a wounded child and product of their parenting, right? You may not like them. You may not want to ever be with them. That's okay. But you have compassion that they were raised by unconscious parents. And and having that perspective just at least releases you from all that anger and that resentment that typically divorced people hold on to.
0: Dr. Shifali, how can we remove our own ego from parenting and allow our children to be their true, authentic selves? You talk about that a lot in your book.
2: Yeah, it's the whole premise of conscious parenting. You can't remove the ego, make it null and void per se, but you can reduce its power over your life. You can tame the ego. And the first step is to even know that you are an ego. Most of us parents are so audacious and self-absorbed and grandiose. We don't even think we have an ego. I didn't think I had an ego. I couldn't believe I had such a big, fat, roaring, raging ego at my poor little two-year-old. I couldn't believe it. And it took me a lot of humbling and a lot of self-recognition and awareness to come to terms with, damn, I'm like, I'm all over the place with my ego. And that's when I began talking about conscious parenting, really, because I saw my own ego. So my entire journey in teaching parents is not necessarily to kill the ego, but to befriend the ego, to see it sneaky ways and to spot the ego. And once you identify the ego, just through that awareness, the ego stops. So understanding that we entered the parenting process with lofty ideals, with high and mighty expectations that had nothing to do with the child before us and all to do with our fantasies of who our children should be. And our fantasies come from our own egoic agenda to feel good, to feel successful, to feel significant things that we never got from our childhood. So we set up this really unconscious, perverse parenting trap, really, where we set our children up to serve our ego and don't even realize we're doing it and we call it love.
1: And I love how you say in your book, parenting is not childing. It's all about awaking yourself. The moment you become a parent, you're learning about yourself. And when you're triggered, it's all about you. It's nothing to do with them. And that's, you know, that that's a, a really beautiful, you know, thought to even consider it that way.
2: Yep. Yep. One of my friends said, if it was about the kids, it would be called kidding. And I say, if it's about the children, it would be called childing. And it's not, it's called parenting for a reason, right? the The reason is that you have to parent yourself because when you don't parent yourself, you are really dysregulated and you're all over the place. And, With our children, because we think that we own them, right? We've been told that we own our children. We think it's okay to unleash whatever we feel. Like if we think they're being bad, it's okay to scream at them. We have absolute no supervision and no regulation over us. So we have this unmitigated power and we actually abuse this power. And it's all because we haven't healed ourselves. You know, so if your kid comes home with a C grade, We think it's our right to scream at them because it triggers us, but we don't look at why it's triggering us. We just think that, oh, we're triggered. That's a bad thing. The kid is bad because they triggered us. Let's yell and scream. If the kid is being bullied at school and if that triggers us, that's it. As long as we feel triggered, we feel we have a right to yell at the perpetrator. What we don't realize is that the kid is not the perpetrator our own unresolved wounds from our childhood is the true perpetrator. The kid is just being a kid. The kid is being bullied. The kid is being annoying. The kid is being uh, you know, unmotivated or the kid is just being a kid in whatever way. We can handle it with neutrality, equanimity and beauty instead of screaming at them. The fact that we scream at them and we think that they are bad is because we have unresolved wounds that they are triggering, that they are inflaming. And that's what this book teaches us is how do we reduce our triggers? How do we calm ourselves so that we can truly connect with our children? This book is all about connection, which is what every parent wants, but we don't get there because of these gargantuan egos that obstruct us. And teenage kids, you mentioned
1: this in your book, they're navigating their lives during very rebellious years and very difficult on parents. How can divorced parents help their teenage children knowing that they're also suffering from the loss of their family?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the whole notion of family needs to be reframed for children, especially during a divorce. You're still a family. It just doesn't look like the traditional family. And sure, it sucks. But this is our sucking, right? Everybody has something that sucks. This is our thing that sucks. So when parents embrace the the, the turmoils of this unique journey, but embrace it as a teacher, embrace it as a, a portal to growth, then the children also begin to go, okay, it's not that bad. But if the mom or the dad who's going through the divorce is in a tragic heap on the floor, then the kid is going to feel like this is the worst thing on earth. You know, many times parents come to me when they're going through a divorce to ask me how to deal with the children. And they often say, you know, should we sit them down and have the talk? And I I tell them, you know, don't have the talk, like as if it's the talk, because that's going to be more traumatic than the divorce, right? But gently phase your children into the realization that mom and dad are now going to lead more separate lives and make it natural, make it healthy, make it normal and do it slowly. So, When you have a child who is now growing into a teenager on top of the divorce, you have to be extra sensitive to that teenager because teenagers are already going through identity confusion. They're already going through the breaking away phase. They're already trying to find their autonomy and individuality separate from you. So they're already disillusioned by you and now you're going to tell them that, you know what, I actually don't even like your dad or mom that much. Now they're going to be like, oh, me neither, right? I, I knew that they, they were not the the hot potatoes. So I knew that they weren't the cat's whiskers. So you have to be really gentle with them. And of course, you know, be sensitive to what they could go through. Be sensitive to the fact that they are already feeling the loss of control as adolescents. They want more control, but they're feeling engaged by you. Now the divorce could increase that sense of not having control. So you want to reestablish that connection even more greatly in the adolescent years.
0: Dr. Shafali? the pandemic separated a lot of parents and their children. Um, some parents just decided to keep the child. They said it's unsafe at the other house or, you know, they had excuses and, and that resulted in parental alienation or even estrangement. Um, I know that's kind of extreme, but how would you... Suggest to parents out there who are struggling with this and are now alienated or estranged from their child, what should they do?
2: You know, it's so hard. So, first, I have compassion, I have empathy, but we can use technology, right? So, there's one good use of technology. We can FaceTime our children, we can text them. Nothing is stopping the parent from sending a video every day, send a note every single day, a couple notes a day, send them letters. You can be present without being physically present. So, you know, my daughter's at college. your kids must be grown and flown. So how do we maintain connection? Through texting, through calling, through FaceTiming, through letting them know in all sorts of ways that even though we may not be physically connected, we're emotionally connected. And that's powerful. Children feel that. They don't need two parents there 24-7. They need to know that the other parent is emotionally a safe harbor for them. Emotionally present for them. And that's equally, if not more, valuable.
0: Mm, good answer. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's really easy to find ways to guilt ourselves as parents, especially divorced parents. We really, we really punish ourselves with guilt, don't we? So we have to be extra compassionate with ourselves and divorce. And for all my teachings, I plague myself with guilt, plague myself with guilt. And then I have to talk myself out. Off the ledge and go, it's okay. You know, your daughter's okay. Your child is okay. Because our greatest concern is that they feel secure, that they feel stable. So when we are part of their instability, we really feel wretched. So we as divorced parents need extra self care, extra self compassion, and forgiveness. It's okay. You know, embrace the journey and try to find the beauty in it. And just keep reminding yourself that this is your crap and somebody else says other crap you know and i'm glad you brought up guilt um
1: i was going to ask you about this how can we use the principles of conscious parenting to help divorced parents heal from the divorce and all the guilt and also those that are dealing with becoming empty nesters
2: well you know guilt comes from this unresolved sense of i should have been better i could have done better But life doesn't work according to what we could have done and should have done. It just works according to what we did do and what we are doing. And so accepting the isness of our reality is really the key in all of parenting, divorced or not, because every parent plagues themselves with guilt and guilt is about thinking about, oh, I should have been better. No, we could only do what we could do based on the consciousness we had. So we have to have compassion for ourselves. We did not know any better. We, we did it the way we did. We fumbled, we muddled, we were chaotic. We were yelling, we were scared. We, But that's just who we were back then. But we are not that right now. And this entire book helps parents come back to the present moment because instead of wasting your time on what you could have done and should have done, start embracing what you can do right now and release what you couldn't do back then. You did not have the consciousness. And if you didn't handle it, you have to forgive yourself for it. It's kind of grandiose to think that you should have had the consciousness 20 years ago that you have now. You know, I was miserable uh, and unconscious many years of my child's life, but I'm not conscious and miserable right now. So I always bring myself back to the present moment and help parents to embrace the now and fill the now with purpose and redemption. And you say that in your book too, and
1: I felt that you said, don't feel that you should have known all this. You couldn't have known this. We're naive. We're inexperienced. When we become parents, we're supposed to be. And that made me feel so much better. And I told some friends about that. You know, they say, I wish I would have read this. I said, no, no,
2: we all do. But she says, it's okay. I wish I was a better, better. I wish I knew all this. I wish I could start again. But if wishes were horses, beggars would ride, right? So this is not about wishful thinking. This is about the hard knocks of life. We've all gone through pain. Nobody's life is centered and gilded. Everybody's life is tainted and corrupted and painful. And the beauty of that is accepting that that is the nature of life. And it's not rosy. And even if you covet the couple that stays together, please don't do that because I work with couples and I can see how much pain they have. So everyone's life has its own unique pain. Embrace your pain. Celebrate it. And grow from it and come into the present moment becoming more evolved because of that pain.
0: At what point do our kids understand like how challenging it is to become a parent? Is it not until they become a parent potentially?
2: Yes, yes. But don't worry. I mean, if they become parents and they're foolish enough to become parents, <laughs> that is when you will be redeemed. Yes, yes, yes. I see. It's not so easy. But, but you know how many of our kids are pretty woke as they say and they're wise. They may not become parents. So then we'll never get that redemption. But don't you so appreciate your parents now and you you have compassion for them because you see how messed up you've been? You know, that's the cycle of life. So we got to wait. But, but it's not going to happen until they become parents and they screw it up. And you hope that their children are as difficult as they were, right? You hope that they don't have those perfect little angels. And then you will be you will be forgiven for everything that they think you did wrong in their lives that time will come but it's a long time coming so let's not wait for our children to forgive us let's forgive ourselves
0: very good advice so Dr Shifali uh, this is you know you've written several books the parenting map is your book that's coming out why did you write this book what do you want readers to take away when they read it?
2: This book is the how to become a conscious parent. My other books were why you need to become one and what it is all about. That made the foundation. But this one, you can read it as a standalone. You can read it if you're thinking about becoming a parent. It's for every single human, really. But for parents of kids of all ages, it's a complete book in and of itself. You don't need to read my other books. And it's really a map. It's from A to Z. It's it's written like a journey. I have tons of personal examples, client examples, and you will be learned through story, you know? So this gives a lot of storytelling, a lot of examples, a lot of illustrations, and a lot of practical steps and practices that you can embody to apply it in your day-to-day life. I am really happy with the book. Excellent. Well, I think one more burning question that we've
1: had, and you talked about briefly, but with, with our audience and and this being a, a group of people that are divorced and we're 40 plus singles, can one parent really make a difference if the other one is still contentious? Yes,
2: of course, 100%. You can even tell your kids after the age of eight or nine that the other parent is unconscious without throwing them under the bus too much. It's okay to talk like that or you know, to, if they feel like the other parent is so mean or so cruel or you can, you can validate their feelings. You can honor who they are. There's so much work a single parent can do. Oh my goodness, you don't need the other parent to be on the same page. You can do a lot of healing of your children if you understand these principles and learn them and practice them. It's not ideal. You ideally want everyone in the world to be conscious, but we know that's not the reality. So we don't feel sorry for ourselves or martyred. We just take on the task of being that amazing conscious parent ourselves.
1: And when you find, say, your children are suffering from, say, dealing with something with one of the parents, what's the best tactic for the other parent? And maybe there is some illness involved. Maybe there are some, you know, damaging behaviors
2: involved. I always say chase consciousness, don't chase the relationship. Consciousness supersedes the relationship. But I'm brutal, you know, I'm ruthless in that. I will not encourage that people be serving the other partner more than serving consciousness. If the other partner is abusive to your child, you can call it abuse. You can tell your kid, I hear you, I see you. Don't excuse it as, oh, daddy or mommy was just tired or busy. Once in a while, sure, we all lose our shit because we're tired or busy. But if it's a trend, we don't want our children to equate abuse with love, right? So we want to say, that the other parent has some issues that they need to go work on. The other parent has substance abuse or has anger. And don't deny it because don't teach your children that, you know, it's, it's okay for other people to treat them like that. Now, you can protect them from it. It would be nice if you could find a way to protect them, but don't take it on yourself to protect them either because that's a peculiar task. But if you can protect them and leave, and go to a safer abode where they're not exposed to this toxic behavior, do it if you can. Do it. Run. Flee. Do not stick around for abuse and find it noble. There's nothing noble about sticking around and exposing your children to abuse. Appreciate that.
0: Well, Dr. Shafali, thank you so much for making the time to join us
1: yeah, Dr. Shefali, thank you so much for joining us. Again, Dr. Shefali, our New York Times bestselling author of The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family, and now her new book, The Parenting Map, will be published on February 28th by HarperOne and is available in bookstores everywhere and on Amazon.com. You can follow Dr. Shafali and see all of her work at drshafali.com. And for our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Finding Yourself Single podcast. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Dr. Shivali.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Email the hosts at findingyourselfsingle at gmail.com. Follow the Finding Yourself Single podcast on Twitter at s n g, and on Instagram at single. Listen to all episodes of the Finding Yourself Single podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, And podcast platforms everywhere. Finding yourself single is a production of Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.